The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hello there, and thanks so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. I am glad you are here because I have with me very special guests. They are the hosts of 5G Guys podcast. And in fact, I was just a guest on the 5G Guys podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know what? Let's get you on 5G Talent Talk because you have a lot to share. So I want to first introduce you to these fine gentlemen. It's Wayne Smith and Dan McVaugh. They are wireless industry veterans, and you're going to hear a lot about that in just a moment. And of course, the hosts of 5G Guys podcast. So let me tell you just a little bit about Wayne and Dan, and then I'll let them talk. But Dan McVaugh started his career in the early 90s. After 17 years leading ATEX and Centerline, he stepped away to start a consulting practice where he develops telecom infrastructure projects. He is also the president of the Colorado Wireless Association. Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Carrie. Yes, and now we have Wayne. So Wayne Smith started in commercial construction in the early 90s, also the early 90s. Did you two know each other back then? Yeah. You did? Oh my gosh, okay, we'll hear that in a minute. And then he moved into telecom. He's now the president of Vertex Innovations and the CEO of Active Oversight, which is a quality management software company. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Carrie. Great to be here. Yes, I'm excited. So we have a podcast. We typically don't talk a lot about ourselves and it's all about the guests. So I really want to give you a chance to talk about you, a little bit more about your journey, each of you, what you do now, your current companies, your current roles, who you serve. So Dan, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah. Happy to talk a little bit more about where I've come from. So I've spent my whole career in wireless telecom. I came out of my undergrad study as an electrical engineer and started as a radio frequency engineer. So grew up working for the carriers as an RF engineer, designing and building networks back in the analog cellular days and did that for about six years. And then in 2000, myself and a couple of gentlemen that I worked with at my last stop at one of the carriers started a company, ATEX, which you referred to. And we basically provided RF engineering services back to the industry. And that grew over the years into becoming a full turnkey company where we developed not just RF engineering, but site acquisition, construction, real estate management, project management, full turnkey of services. We rebranded that company as Centerline Solutions, as you referred to. So I did that for 17 years until 2017 when I decided to take a break and semi-retire while my kids were still in the nest before they flew the nest. And since then, I kind of decided to start doing consulting. So I'm an independent consultant. I do a lot of advising, a lot of coaching to other businesses in the industry, businesses outside of the industry as well. So sometimes it's entrepreneurs needing help. Sometimes it's folks in the wireless industry that have specific needs that they would like help with. And sometimes it's just leaders that want some coaching. So that's what I do today. And I love it. And I'm not currently the president of Colorado Wireless. I'm the past president. I was the president. Oh, I still serve it. with Colorado Wireless doing education and other initiatives and glad to be part of that organization. Great organization. It sure is. It sure is. Wayne. Wow. Uh, where to start? So I come from the trades. And I, my career started in commercial construction. 
decided to move to Colorado in the early 90s to go to school for electrical engineering, needed a job, and this thing called wireless was there. And so my construction background went really well, joined a general contractor, started building the first towers in mid to late 90s. Started Vertex Innovations in 2003 at the request of a new company in that time was Verizon. They asked me to start a company that would support them in their network. Since then, Vertex, it's been a great story for us. We've been able to build and manage every type of technology in the wireless since, from 3G, you name it, to where we're at today with 5G. We manage about four to 6,000 projects a year. We also have a segment that builds live data center projects and greenfield data centers. We're doing about $700 million in data center projects today where we facilitate the build. It's been a crazy journey of learning, working from home, and then moving into a full staffed company. We have employees in 23 states. And then in 2015, we found that we needed to manage the quality of the project and the deliverables. We started a company called Active Oversight. It's quality management software. And what it does, it allows us to scale in to manage so many projects. And it's a quick version of what I do. We definitely want to serve, fill a gap where companies need project management and engineering services. Got it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Wow. That's a lot of projects every year. <laughs> I think we were trying to figure out around 40, 50,000 total of what since we've been in business. And this year will be our 20th year. My goodness. Congratulations, Wayne. Both of you. I mean, you're highly accomplished in the industry. And I'm curious because I have so many people ask me about how to start a podcast and why I did it and how much work is it really? And how do you do this? And is it worth it? And yes, I say, but curious from your end, what's the story behind 5G guys? And what do you talk about on the show? And why did you create it? What kind of guests do you have on? And also, we need to know where to find you. Dan, jump right in. All right. So when I started doing my independent thing after I left Centerline Solutions, I was trying to figure out how I could reach people. And I tried to start blogging. I'm not a very good. But Wayne and I have been good friends for a long time. And Wayne and I, I've worked with Wayne, for Wayne, vice versa. This industry is funny that way, where you'll work for somebody one day and the next day roles reverse. And so we were working together on some projects and we talk a lot. And so we would spend hours on the phone just talking about all things wireless. And one day Wayne said, what do you think about recording this and making a podcast? And I was like, oh, okay, I'm a better talker than a writer. So let's give it a (laughs) shot. So that's how we started it. But really what Wayne and I were trying to do was not speak to people in the industry as much as people that are outside of wireless. Maybe we're intimidated by wireless. Maybe they're working for a company that was like wanting to start using wireless as an asset for their company. We wanted to reach those folks and kind of remove a lot of the acronyms and maybe some of the things that might come across as intimidating and preventing people from learning more about the technology and how it benefits their lives, their company, whatever the case might be. So that's really what we try to do is just to speak to anyone out there inside and mostly outside the industry as well and make some connections so they can understand some of the concepts that might seem daunting. Wow. So it's a good opportunity for people inside the industry to share your podcast with potential customers or people that are outside the industry to really understand it. So did you have something to share? I just think podcasting, like in yours, people like to fill their time listening when it's convenient for them. And I think one of the things that I'd say about Dan is, man, he loves the education of what he's learned in the industry. It is a really great trait to 
continue to educate and we us learn about it. The thing that I would say about the podcast is so significant. It's really there's a lot of people who make this happen. And we started doing it. It's been super exciting. And you just realize that it takes a tribe of people or a group to make this happen for all of us. So that was it. It does. I agree hundred percent. Where can we find the podcast? Well, it's on pretty much any platform that you might listen to podcasts on. If you just search 5G Guys, we have a website, 5GGuys.com. We're on all the social channels at 5G Guys. So it's pretty easy to find us. I think that I'm trying to think we have had people find us, not just from the US, but from countries all over the place. We've heard from people from other countries. It's pretty interesting to see and hear. And I'm sure you've had the same experience, Carrie, like where people are listening from. And what we really love is through our website and some of the social channels, when our listeners give us feedback. We get some great questions from people that turn into podcast episodes that we would have never thought of having. So it's really fun. Yeah. And it keeps us honest. Like when you want to talk about the industry, you have to stay on top of your game. And really, so I love it from that perspective too. It's a good motivator for me. Well, I love the fact that you talk to a lot of different people. You have a very interesting perspective, not only from the inside the industry, but also from outside, as we just discussed. What I'd like to chat about now is what are you hearing out there? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? hearing, but let's say for 2023, are leaders bullish? Are they excited about the future? Are they concerned about a potential recession? How are they handling their projects for 2023? How are they? The uncertainty. Do you want me to jump in, Dan? And give yeah, once you start out, give them, give your perspective on what you're seeing, Wayne. Yeah, so I still think it's pretty bullish. I mean, the tele the wireless industry itself hasn't really had a recessionary time. So we have had some supply chain type issues, but I think we're really bullish moving into 2023. We're going to see the competition between the top three carriers definitely heated up. I think Verizon was a leader just a few years ago. T-Mobile has really claimed that spot and AT&T is coming back strong after their ventures in the media. And so I think we'll see more projects trying to get done with less people in the industry to do it. And not only less employees, but less companies out there. Over the last few years, there's been tons of M&A activity in the space, right? And so companies come together and it's a good thing for the owners and those people who invested their lives. But for the carriers in the work, it's less pool of people to choose from. And so I think what we see in 2023 is Verizon step up definitely to try to get their mid-man deployed and bring that network back up. That'll be refreshing on their side. Also, man, we're back to trying to get fiber in the ground like it was at 2000s. And that amount of work, it's insane and crazy how much it is. And so what we're going to see tons of new startup companies trying to compete for some of that work. We'll see more fiber in the ground as the broadband infrastructure bill starts to take hold and bringing broadband to the underserved. And so it'll be a big competition place. Overall, I do think it's going to be a really big year for the industry itself. I love hearing that, Wayne. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think one way I've always described, and I'll talk about wireless in a couple of different ways. There's the cellular of the wireless industry, like Wayne's alluding to, right? And that part of the industry, as long as I've been part of it, I describe it as a pendulum. There's always activity. It's just where the activity is and how money is being spent is changing on a cyclical basis as market dynamics change. And a lot of people I'm working with in that part of the wireless industry are bullish. I agree with Wayne. I think there's some concern behind that bullishness. And there's people that are preparing for, yeah, things are going to change. There may be some staffing changes. There may be some 
companies that are becoming more efficient, as Wayne alluded to. So that might mean people are changing companies. But I think everyone is quite bullish. And to Wayne's point, within the cellular industry, the players in the C-band, AT&T and Verizon, are definitely looking to still focus on more activity around putting that spectrum to use. And I hear that from people I work with, for example, tower companies. Tower companies are a great lead indicator of activity because they've got leasing activity on their towers relative to that work. So they see these companies doing things like engineering structurally to make plans to make changes on that tower. And so I do see that in 23. And the other thing we have to remember is DISH. DISH is going to have some requirements to launch markets to be compliant with the requirements with the FCC this next year. And so there's going to be a lot of activity around DISH that's going to be different than the other three carriers. And so it's kind of some diversity of types of activity among the carriers. The other part of wireless that's not cellular, and I have some clients that are not in cellular at all. They work in public safety. They work in broadcast. There's a lot of activity of new entrants with CBRS, with private networks. So you're seeing, and with the infrastructure bill spending. And so that might be fiber in the ground, rural broadband, connecting America with a lot of billions of dollars that have been allocated to make those connections happen. And that activity is really picking up into this next year. So when I look at the non-cellular space, I see a lot more new development versus in cellular, I see a lot more shoring up of what they already do. So I'm excited, right? I'm excited about the future. I'm also bullish as well. But obviously, we need people to accomplish what we need to accomplish. But I know we're going to talk about workforce in just a minute. But I'm curious about, obviously, there's not enough people, just there's not enough human beings to do what we need to do. So are you seeing that companies are talking more about developing software programs and platforms where people are not required so they can actually become more efficient, like you just said? And what do you see on the forefront there? Yeah, I mean, so that's what we've done with Active Oversight. I mean, we've made it where we can kind of take the project from the tail end and make sure all the tasks are done so we can do more volume. When we speak to doing four or 5,000 projects, we're doing that with 50 so employees at the company, right? And so we have become more efficient. And software, I mean, I think the tough part about it is where can you build efficiency in your workforce that allows them to reduce duplication of work? One of the things about the industry is every company has a different tool you have to do. So what I've seen over the years is that employees say you had a construction manager and they were really good at implementation and building cell software. Well, now half their day is doing Zoom calls because we're Zooming it in and we're doing data entry. So we've turned those construction people into data entry people. And it's not a very good transition in all cases. And so I think finding that happy medium within tools that allows the person to shine through with their skills and their experience and getting the data that you need to transform the business and report on why is data important nowadays? All the carriers are public companies. They use public investment to build infrastructure and it needs to be done to spend that money investment wisely. And so you have to do reporting to allow the stockholders and shareholders to understand what's getting done on a daily basis. So efficiency is always at the top tier of how do we not overburden them with software, let them do their true skills, whether it's construction or project management. And so that's the happy medium that we're all trying to work towards. Right. So Dan, are you seeing your clients using more tech, adopting, or even creating for themselves like Wayne has done? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, self-creating, buying things off the shelf, a combination, a hybrid of customization, a lot of development of processes and procedures as well, so that they can, to, to Wayne's point, the key is becoming more efficient in how we do things. And it's really driven. This is not to say that there's a reduction in workforce as a result. It's the exact opposite. There's such a shortage of workforce that the industry has to become more efficient to fill the gap between the number of workers we need and the number of workers we have. So there's still a huge workforce shortage. In fact, I just had a call this week with four other individuals from different facets of the industry talking about workforce development and how can we reach more people and make them aware of the industry and recruit them into the industry because there is still such a shortage. So the digital transformation is an necessity to keep up with the demand, not to reduce what we need in the industry, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. So on the workforce shortages, are you hearing that this is going to continue into 2023? And there's a lot of layoffs we're hearing about too. I mean, this is going to increase the talent pool and I guess put companies, leaders more in the driver's seat, if you will. Well, what's happening is on the micro level, yeah, there are individual companies that are going to be laying folks off because they're trying to get more efficient or they're in a, an economic cycle where they need to reduce spending. But there's plenty of other people that are going to take those workers on. So it's really more of a shell game of people moving around between jobs as opposed to people losing jobs. And then I'm seeing a lot of people move into the industry, for example, out of the military. There's programs now that are basically helping people that are leaving their military careers and move into wireless as an example. So that's what I'm seeing. And I don't believe that anybody in the industry that has a good skill set, there's a place for them. And it's just a matter of finding where that place is after they make a change. Yeah, I think what I would add, what we forget sometimes is that I think the talent pool with telecom or telecommunications skills is still pretty high to your point. Mm -hmm. But I think what hurts companies is when you lose all your back office people. And that change is dramatic. And so you need billing analysts, you need project coordinators, you need marketing people. Those kinds of skills and jobs are really tough to fill compared to doing the actual physical work. Now, if you're a construction company, maybe totally different. But I, from what I've talked to in some of the vendors, like the project, getting a project coordinator, the opportunities are so great. As soon as they get skilled, they're gone, right? They're moving up so rapidly that you're consistently trying to get your back office. And what's important about back office, it keeps paying the bills and the checks coming in. So it's a dual piece. One of the things that we did for the telecom side is we've taken a lot of the standards that the telecom carriers created. And we've created the thing called the Vertex Training Cloud. Each one of our employees goes through a 90-day onboarding process to get certified in the architectural, the civil, the mechanic, those parts of it. And then it gives them something to take on. Now, what we're doing is creating a good opportunity for them to move up on their career. But I do think wireless has always been about that, especially from a company like us that are consultants or or staffing type scope of work models, you're actually a stepping stone to a different career path in carriers or other companies. So that's where I see it is it's hard to get the back office when those people move up and that really affects them you reproduce. Interesting. So speaking of office, I agree with you there. Speaking of office, are we seeing return to office? Are leaders planning to have a hybrid schedule, have everybody back in? I have leaders tell me, they say, oh gosh, maybe I'm going to put my foot down in January and say, you all have to get back in the office. And I read a statistic recently that like 90% of leaders are going to demand that employees come back in the office, even if it's hybrid in the first at the first of the year. So what are you seeing out there? Well, 
I, from a construction point, let's talk about that a little bit. So we manage data center projects and anywhere from five to $70 million projects. Even the GCs and the subcontractors are zooming in. And then you lose that valuable part of coordination in it. So I do think in some of the roles that need to come in, we work a hybrid environment. We do require once a month that we have a monthly business review that all the managers and people come together to solve, to go through projects, to talk about. It's been really valuable through this year, but we're still flexible. Like, I don't think you need to come in every day, but you need to come in when you're with your peers to solve complex business problems. Because no matter which generation of 5G or 4G, those problems still exist. And other people, logistical, cultural problems that need to come together so that you can really build a cohesive team. And I think that's how I kind of look at that, that you got to be flexible or you're going to really limit your pool in a very small pool Mm-hmm. You are so right, Wayne. Yeah, I see the same thing. A lot of my clients are moving to more of a hybrid for sure. And that would be the case more on the, I'll call it the professional services side of things. Clients that are construction contractors, they never left the office. So there was really no return to office for them. Like they've continued through pandemic, having to figure out a way to safely be in the office because there's no way to warehouse equipment and pick that equipment up and go to the job site virtually. Like it's just not possible. So they are becoming maybe a little bit hybrid with some of their back office staff, like Wayne's talking about. But for the most part, they never left. And so that's really not even an issue. Right. So let's talk about company culture. Wayne, I want to hear more about your company culture at Vertex. Anything that you're doing that's different or your employees just absolutely love and really helps you retain your team. So we're doing a lot and hats off to my CFO and the HR teams. We just had our company party and we did a virtual party for everyone to come in. And we did this thing called Elster where everyone got random gifts and we all opened them on Zoom. So we made that happen. But think company culture, it comes down to this for me. You know, I've been in the industry a long time with Dan. I live by my values and my values at the company are the same as I try to, and they're pretty easy, integrity, accountability, commitment, respect, performance, and urgency. And when you found it on the, a set of values, it's, you don't have to remember it. And when we onboard and we talk about those things, and I think we're, what that does for culture is that, well, there's nothing different. There's been a lot of different terms in society with wokeness or different things. But really, for me, it comes down to our values. When we make a commitment, we keep it. We want to be accountable to what our word is. We want to act with urgency. I think as a vendor to big customers, they want to know that you care. You'll pick up the phone, you'll solve their problems, and you won't create problems for them. And more importantly, performance into this day and age, we want to be measured on what we promise in our commitments. And if you can do those things, I think our culture stands up pretty strong. The thing that we work on the most is communication. In the remote hybrid world, you start to develop the silo mentality of your work. And you got to remember, man, like this is a team effort. So we do things like that. We just did a bunch. We did a giant swag buy this year. I think it's important to provide for your employees. And we all went together and we got them and we sent it all out. And that's the kind of feedback and the things that we're doing. We honor all birthdays and anniversaries. 
do. I don't know if you've heard of Snappy Gifts. There's a plug for them, but it's pretty cool. Every employee is already set up. They can go out and pick something else they want and add to the workforce. So we're trying to do everything that we can. Good benefits. At Vertex, we do a pension program, retirement. We have we work at PEO models. We have 10 or 15 different healthcare plans. I would say a place in life wherever you are, because healthcare demands change from entry level to when you're more a senior employee. So those are some of the things that we do with culture. I stand behind my word and we try to get it done. And that's, it goes a long ways. I stand behind my word. And as the leader of a company, that's everything. I mean, it really is everything. So no, thanks for sharing that, Wayne. Dan, what have you seen with the companies that your clients and the companies that you consult with? Yeah, I would agree with what Wayne's saying, like uh, just a overall higher degree of accountability. But the thing that stands out to me the most is, and this could be obvious, I'm working with leaders that are forward thinking that want to progress to want to change in a positive way. So there's, I'm sure companies that I'm not working with that aren't thinking that way, right? So I recognize that I probably have a bias based on who I work with, but I'm seeing that accountability is bi-directional. It's not just leaders expecting their employees to be accountable to them, but vice versa and leaders realizing that. So I'm seeing an increase in transparency by leadership to allow employees to be more bought in. I'm seeing an improved bi-directional communication flow, which is essential for hybrid, for example. And so I'm just really seeing a lot more of a focus on, it's not just about the paycheck, but it's becoming more about a lot of the things Wayne's talking about, the culture, the accountability, the everyone feeling like they make a difference and they're not just fulfilling a task and going home. So that's what I'm really starting to see. And I love it because I've had plenty of jobs myself where you're just an employee that's taking an order and fulfilling a task and then going home. And I just don't see that being the case as much anymore. So true. Well, we can't finish this podcast without talking about 5G because I'm with the 5G guys. We're on 5G talent talk. So 5G, right? We've seen it and felt it move forward. Doesn't seem to be moving fast. What's happening? Well, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. This topic is pretty regular. And I think the point that we try to make to people is 4G, going from 3G to 4G was so impactful to all of us as consumers, right? I mean, it moved the needle so significantly in terms of our experience on our phones, right? Whether that be the ability to stream video is a big one, right? Video was a huge impact with going from 3G to 4G. What's going on with 5G is, yeah, some deployment is going maybe a little slower than people anticipated, but it's also what 5G is doing for us is not so upfront and obvious like 4G was. It's changing the world around us. For example, smart cities, for example, manufacturing, transportation, healthcare. Those aren't things that we necessarily see like when we go to YouTube on our phone, like we did with 4G. So to a lot of us, it doesn't feel like the impact has been there. But in fact, behind the scenes, the world is changing significantly where we're going to wake up one day and realize, wow, like there's cars driving around without people in them. And there's a 5G network behind that. Or that manufacturing plant has no lights on because there's no people in it because it's all driven by a 5G enabled wireless automation system, things like that. So so that's what we talk a lot about is there's a lot of activity on that front that we just don't see as consumers. Having said that, there has been delays in 5G because of pandemic, because of supply chain, because of some regulatory things that happened. We talked about that on some of our episodes at the beginning of the year. This time last year, Wayne and I were doing, we called them flash pods on the last second change with the FAA and the aviation industry. 
that stopped AT&T and Verizon from deploying their C-band spectrum as scheduled, as approved by the FCC. Those ripple effects did occur this year and have slowed down the deployment of 5G. So it's a little of both, but every generation typically is a five-year cycle, whether it was 2G, 3G, 4G, or now 5G. From the start of that to the point that it could be considered a mature deployment is about a five-year cycle. And we're in maybe year two to three of that cycle with 5G right now. Would you do it that way? Yeah, and I think that early on in 5G, we thought we were going to get gigabit speeds. And then we learned the limitations of the equipment, what was available to the market. And so all of the carriers have pivoted to different low band, mid band. We do see some ultra, like I have tested a stadium at 3.6 gig on my phone. Now, I don't know what I would do with it <laughs> at that point yet. But do see that part. I would echo Dan's saying is this. Here's what, to me, what 5G means is that we're going to get a lot of data. And we're going to start to understand as companies and leaders how to use the data to make ourselves more efficient. And the workforce problem is not going to go anytime soon. So we need to use the technology and the speed of data and how you utilize it to get a real snapshot of where you are. And for companies all through the scale, it's going to take a while to get that out there and understand this benefit. IoT is definitely a benefit of 5G, and it's happening everywhere. Now, I still don't know why my oven has wireless and IoT or my fridge. I'm not getting any good data yet about it. Okay. All of this stuff, to Dan's point, it will start to stack. It's like anything in life, isn't it? If you read a book every day or once a year for a period of years, you gain that knowledge over time and you're better for it. I believe that with 5G and where we're at, that as we work through the issues and the ups and downs of regular business, we'll start to gain more and more things that will impact our lives. It's just hard to see right now because it's being developed. Yes. And I saw an event recently. It was a conference on 6G. And I thought, what are we <laughs> going to do? Okay, we have 5G podcasts. Are we going to have to change the name of our podcast? Right. <laughs> Well, we got 10 years, so maybe we'll all be retired by then. Who knows? <laughs> to your point, Carrie, like it really started with 3G. There's the marketing side of the technology. And so from the marketing side, everybody wants to start talking about the next one way before the next one is there. But there's also some really smart people, thankfully, that are working on 6G, like literally the technology behind the scenes so that it'll do its thing when the time is there. So, but yeah, I don't know. I think we registered the 6G guys URL just in case, but I don't know if we'll be lucky enough to be around that long or not. We'll see. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope that we all are. Wayne and Dan, this has just been my pleasure. How can we find out more about you, about your companies? Wayne, watch some about Vertex. Yeah, so Vertex, you can find us at vertex-us.com. We have some exciting things in 2023. We're really diving into network inventory for enterprise where they can manage. How do we manage those things? Quality management. You can find us all over the web. Easy, pretty much easy to LinkedIn. I'm on there. I got, I've been on there a little. It's a lot, it's a lot of noise, but you can always just pick up the phone. Call us, look us on the web, but Dan, website. Probably the easiest thing is 5Gguys.com and I at 5Gs on at 5G guys on all your social platforms. Through 5Gguys.com, you can connect to Wayne or I directly and our companies and what we do outside of the podcast. So that's if there's only one thing to remember, 5Gguys.com will get you to us. And then like Wayne said, LinkedIn and what have you. So my last name's hard to spell, so I won't even try to tell people how to find my profiles on, <laughs> on my last name. Mine's super easy. I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been fantastic. Thank you for having me on 5G, guys. That was a lot of fun. And we're going to have an amazing 2023. I know it and beyond. So thank you again. Thanks, Gary. 
Thanks, Carrie. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.